two asides to begin. That's a fun gospel to read. It's one of the best. A little dramatic. The other one, this is perfect weather. For God's sake, this is one of the best Sundays I think we've had out here. A lot of people in the perfect weather. So my prayer to God is, can you do this all the way to March? Keep it this way. Let it only rain at night, gently, not too much, and no wind, okay? These readings today are, are wonderful, and they're pretty straightforward. Um, but I'd like to begin with the second reading, because uh, from this time on till the end of the year, next week is Christ the King Sunday, and then we begin Advent. And this, the second reading is, is pretty much the same. It's focusing on the second coming. Because Paul, in particular, had a deep conviction that Jesus was going to return probably in, in Paul's lifetime. The second coming, they called it. And when he came, everything would come to an end. And Jesus would take up all of creation and give it to the Father, and that would be it. But it didn't happen. So 2,000 years later, we're still waiting. There are some religions that get rather excited about this. Uh, the biggest one in my lifetime was the year 2000. They were convinced on, uh, uh, on uh, New Year's Eve, and the next day the, the world was coming to an end, and it didn't happen. Um, I, for my part, like Jesus' words in Luke, he says, um, nobody knows when the end of the time is coming. Not even I know, only my Father in heaven. So I don't get too excited about it. However, I think the other point about it is being ready all the time. And the way we're ready is that we appreciate the present moment. In my last person, I love to use this at this time of the year, uh, over the lavabo sink in the sacristy, there was a framed uh, picture with the, this text of words. And it says real dramatically, Oh, priest of God! Uh, you're supposed to say this as you're preparing for your Mass. Oh, priest of God, celebrate this Mass as if it is your first Mass, comma, as if it is your last Mass, comma, as if it is your only Mass, period. And I always thought to myself, well, the only way that could happen is if you said you celebrate your first Mass and then drop dead. <laughs> and then it would be your first, your last, and your only Mass. But the point of it, I think, was simply appreciate the moment. I, I have Mass after this at 9.30. If I'm alive, I could drop dead. I'm not being dramatic, but it happens. So I, I, I shouldn't be thinking about the 9.30 in Spanish and fretting over it. I should give everything I can to this Mass because this is what I've got. This is where I'm at. And I think the scriptures, especially the second readings, all the way till the end of Advent, just keep making that point. Maybe it's because we so stubbornly resist it, uh, it's hard to stay in the moment. Now the first reading, I think, is really a, a, an application of the gospel. Here we have in this wisdom literature um, this wonderful woman this woman of talent, this woman, everything she does turns to gold. And, and uh, she is said to be by her husband a pearl of rare price, a gem. And even all the community recognize her goodness. And I say, bravo, here's a woman who was given five talents and she made five more. This is a woman who developed her abilities. But my suspicion is, sounds like a description of somebody who came from wealth. Somebody who had a lot of opportunity. She got educated. She was uh, able to develop her gifts. And she began early on with so much opportunity that she had confidence in herself. 
And that's a wonderful thing when we get those opportunities. It doesn't mean we don't work hard. In fact, somebody can have all of those gifts and, and waste them. But when somebody gets opportunity and, and, and gets all the tools to work with, they can take the gifts that they have and multiply them so much. Bravo! But what if she were born after her mother was impregnated by some creep who then ran off and she was born without a father. And before she was born, the mother in distress and depression began to use drugs and alcohol. And she even affected the baby in her womb. And so when the baby was born, partially addicted, they took the baby from her, gave her to foster homes. So she never knew her father. She really didn't have time with her mother. She went from foster home to foster home, the next one being worse than the previous one. And so she went to several schools, she got a poor education, and most of all, she developed a very poor self-image. She was even told, you're worthless. You're a bad kid. What happens to that kid? There's too many of them in life, but thanks be to God, it's not the majority. The vast majority are us in the middle. We're pretty, I think, middle class. But there are those extremes, these people who have it all. And actually, some of these people I've met, I don't like them very much. I don't like people who can do everything. They can dance, they can sing, they're smart, they're good-looking, they're good in sports, they're well-educated, they're fabulous at everything, and you think you throw them a little trick to, can you do this? Oh, yeah, I can do that. You've done it before? No, it's my first time. Oh, I hate them, you know. But they're out there. And then there are some who have no confidence in themselves because their life has been a, a total mess. But for the most of us, we're in the middle. Now, I was in Mexico about 30 years ago at my friend's, uh, her uh, Tia's house. And um, I had this experience that I, I never forgot. It's as fresh as it happened yesterday, and it was 30 years ago. Um, I was up in my room, uh, and I woke up and I, to the smell of coffee. So I went downstairs because I knew the coffee was ready. And it was only the Tia in the kitchen cooking and, uh, or preparing to cook, and nobody else was up. So I went down, I had my conversation with her, and um, she's a lovely lady and a great cook. And so she was cutting up onions and green pepper and chiles and, and other, mostly vegetables. And uh, she had the uh, oil on, and then she began to put these in, and they began to sizzle. And the aroma was striking. They were fresh vegetables from her garden. It was delicious smelling. And then she added a little chicken, and, and we had these, this incredible breakfast, so simple yet so delicious. And I said, oh my goodness, there's that woman, that pearl. And she wasn't someone who came from wealth and had a whole bunch, but she, everything she had, she developed it, and she used it well. But I also began to think, and please, if you're Mexican, please don't be offended. Uh, and I'm going to say, I think it's probably true of the Philippines too, but if I'm wrong, please don't be offended. Um, uh, you can attack the message. Don't attack the messenger, okay? But one of the strongest feelings I had in Mexico from the first time I ever went down there was what a beautiful and um, lovely people, sweet gentle, welcoming. I'm not talking about the drug lords and, the, and again, the creeps, but the vast majority, they're wonderful. 
And there are so many resources. What a rich country in, in the land. But what a lousy government. I'm not saying ours is perfect by any means, but lousy government, corrupted. And one of the things I saw that, that saddened me very much was that these young people will go through uh, universities because they, they have free education down there for everybody. They have uh, good social security, uh, medical for everybody. Uh, but that's it. You know, they, they scrounge for, for money. People work very hard there. And um, I would meet these young people who were in university in their college years very excited. They were going to get a degree in accounting or something like this. They, they were all excited about where they were going all excited about what they were learning. And they got out and there were no jobs for them. Only the people of opportunity got them, or for the most part. So their dreams were dashed and they just went on. They got some lousy job and made some money and, and that's what they did. And I walked away saying for my very first time, wow, what a way to waste your youth. That's taking your youth and burying them. And then just give them back. That's it when they could develop them and use them. And then people would say to me, why'd you give that cop five bucks? I said, because it's a mordida. You have to. So I, I made a left turn when I shouldn't have, and he pulls me over and says, this is a grave mistake. Very serious. It wasn't, but that's what they said. So he said, well, officer, you know, you know I don't know if this would help, or you give him five bucks, and he go, goes off and leaves you. Now they would say to me, oh, Perry, how can you do that? I said, listen, they don't get paid. The whole system is like this. Excuse me. The only way you, they make it is, is you bribe here and bribe there. And, it, and the whole thing is built like that. Do I like it? No. But it's the reality. This is burying the gifts. So Jesus' message is super clear today. There's a couple things required. I guess I'd say... Basically, the message is two. It's, it's about the gifts that are given and received or not, and what you do with those gifts or don't. And when we talk about the gifts given, that's the most important part. They're given to us. Nobody is born a, a fabulous athlete or a great musician. They may have the gifts in superabundance, but they still have to be developed. You know, I'm a big fan of classical music, and I, uh, YouTube is just so unbelievable, the, the opportunity for listening to music and seeing these orchestras and musicians. And um, one of the things that I, over the years, I, I didn't think this, but I came to know that even child prodigies, they have a teacher for years, maybe their whole career. And you think they just get up and play the piano? Well, they do. They can could, they could hear something and play it back. Mozart could do that. Hear a melody and play everything perfectly. But they work for eight hours a day at their instruments. I sit down, if I ever do, for an hour, and I say, okay, I'm done. Eight hours they practice, because they're trying to hone every sound. And then they have teachers that, that challenge them and critique them and suggest different ways of, of developing their technique. Same with sports. People have coaches for their whole life. And why do the teams have a coach and sometimes they're overweight and, and you know, they can't play anymore, but they know the game. And so they coach them 
to use their gifts to the best, both individually and as a team. So Jesus notices that, you know, the gifts were given. And for us as a people of faith, we say, by God, you know, we, we, didn't, we didn't make those gifts. They were given to us. So if we get those gifts and first of all appreciate from whence they came, from God himself, and then you appreciate them, now the work is ours. The challenge is ours to develop them and use them. And some people don't. But what if there weren't many gifts? What then? Well, I don't know what this Tia did in her life. She probably just took care of the home and her children, and that's a big job in itself. But all I know is when I went downstairs, uh, those aromas were arresting, and the food was delicious. And she just had a few items and made a feast. What do we do with what we've got? I think as a people of faith on this day, and, and interestingly, it's coming at the end of the year, maybe asking us toward the end of this uh, you know, calendar year, do we use all that we've got? Do we appreciate all that we've been given? Have we buried our gifts or do we use them as fully as we can? And finally, using them not just for ourselves but for others. And that's what I think is the gift of every parish and it actually has been the gift of this pandemic if there is a gift to me it's to watch how many people have come forward to help with everything the menial task of moving chairs back somebody sanitizing chairs after every every celebration somebody manning or womaning the bathroom so that they can sanitize after someone uses it people coming forward and saying what can i do people buying tarps for us people giving so much and here we were, are in this place where, where so much has been taken from us, and yet it, it, it hasn't depressed everybody. Some people have said, it's a challenge. I, I want to give more. Today, we hear these scriptures about using the gifts and talents that we've been given. And the challenge is for us to hear that message and then decide what we want to do.